Yo, wet app. It's your boy, Mike. I hope you're having a great day. Your day's about to get a lot better, especially if you like in-depth conversations about music and stuff like that. It's always awesome. That's why people like that movie, High Fidelity, because it's just a bunch of people talking about how dope music is. And that's what this conversation is. Um, you'll hear me intro this guy, but I interviewed Anthony Fantano, the internet's busiest music nerd, uh, this week, and it's someone who I've come to respect very much. May not agree with everything that he says, but that's the thing with music critics. You don't agree with everything that they say, but I really like listening to him talk, and uh, I was glad that we could um, sit here and have kind of a long conversation about music and how dope it is and how it could just help you in every aspect of your life and how to find new music and all that kind of stuff. But uh, before that, at the beginning... I wanted to say what's up to all the Patreon people. I wanted to give a shout out to the DFTBA store um, where we're selling t-shirts and music and all that kind of stuff if you want to support the show. I wrote a book called Never Stop Shutting Up, a book of advice and other things that you didn't ask for, which is also available on DFTBA.com. And uh, there's a link on MikeFalzone.com if you have trouble finding it. Um, I want to say what's up to all the Patreon people. And these are the people who help us take care of the expenses for the podcast itself and also for life. And uh, I'm incredibly um, thankful to these people for giving a little bit of what they have to make sure that we can keep doing this for free for you every week. So thank you so much. You can go to patreon.com if you want to be a part of that. There's different things that we give you. There's different like tiers of rewards that we can give you depending on um, if you'd like to support the podcast. Without any further ado, I'd like to say thank you to our $10 group, which includes Matthew Palka. Thank you so much. Dan Cock, who continues to have the greatest name I ever get to say on a consistent basis. Brad Cover, your ears, because we're podcasting. Joseph Palka, brother of Matthew Palka. Everyone is Palka-ing. Christina, thank you so much. Matthew Godman, that's Mr. Matt God. Um, Stephen Kelly, Aaron Mull, Ebony Tweedley, Stephen G, Brian Haymond. How are you, Brian? Good to see you. Hope that you enjoyed your trip with your lovely lady, Stephen Hanning and Adrian Crovetto. Um, these people get to, uh, if they choose to, Skype with us every week um, because of their support of the podcast. So definitely go to patreon.com backslash MikeFalzone if you want to check that stuff out. And I won't waste any more of your time. Enjoy this lengthy conversation about music. See ya. Forever. Close enough. <laughs> All right, great. Um, hey, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. Welcome to our podcast, which is the name of it as well. It's also an intro in itself. Um, today, we are here with someone who I'm a big fan of on YouTube. And um, that's about all I got, intro-wise. It was the title and that one sentence. Um the name of his channel is The Needle Drop, and the name of his self is Anthony Fantano, the internet's most adorable music nerd. That is my full name, in fact. <laughs> in, in the, in the, uh, the mid-80s, my parents just said, you know, we're, we're going to make sure he goes into this profession, the family profession at the time, YouTube, which was YouTube. Music, music reviewing. <laughs> I come from a I come from a long line of music journalists. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Just throughout the ages, even yes. back to the Middle Ages. Yeah, exactly. When they would uh review the traveling minstrels and the what have you. Yes. And give them <laughs> give them strong sixes and light fours. <laughs> Not too many uh traveling minstrels above a six, which is disappointing. Which was disappointing. Um mo you know uh, as as far as like happiness goes, it's it's really like the dawn of a new age for my family. Typically, our um, music reviews are pretty negative. Sure, um, it's 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 been a pretty small family, as you can imagine. Back in the day, they they would tar and feather my relatives. Yeah, um, you know, for dissing on like the king's minstrels and whatnot. I actually heard that. Correct me if this is wrong, because mm. I just found this on the internet. But mm -hmm. you're actually the first member of your family to smile. Uh huh. That's true. That's absolutely okay. true. <laughs> Terrific. Absolutely true. So uh, let me go ahead and tell the audience why that. Oh, another apple. Uh, let me go ahead and tell the audience why this conversation's weird to start off with. 
Because we spent the day together today. We spent the day together talking for three to four hours to ensure yeah. that when we when we got together later tonight, we would have nothing to talk about. <laughs> right. Hey, man, let's get together. Let's talk for three to four hours to make sure that we could talk tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> make sure that we're compatible to talk. It was basically the podcast, the podcast pre-interview. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I kind of purposely didn't ask you any questions <laughs> about your YouTube channel, like how you got started or anything like that. No, I, I didn't notice. Yeah, because Th- I'm there a was never, there was never genius. <laughs> there was never an internal moment where I was like, I'm, I'm really bothered. He's not asking me any questions about my YouTube <laughs> channel. Just like super, super upset. Why, why is this not coming up? Right. Well, well, let all your questions be answered because hey, Anthony, you know what, what's what's your favorite band? Well, Mike, I started my YouTube channel in 2009. <laughs> hey, Mike, would you like an apple? I just got from the health food store. Well, after you tell me all about how you got started on YouTube, please. Yeah, yeah, I was I was actually actually planning on not talking to you again because you hadn't brought that up. So I'm glad you well, brought it up now. Here we are. Um, I also want to let the podcast audience know where, uh, we're straight shooters here, you know, we are straight we kinda, shooters. We, we pull no punches and I, I don't like to toy around with the audience and I'll be the first to say, not only did you give me an apple, but you gave me one solitary sweet potato, potato chip. And <laughs> I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. It hit me at a time in my life where I really needed those things. And you the were there. So- the sodium, the carbohydrates. Yeah. You stood and you delivered. So thank you. Mm-hmm. No, no problem. I'm. I, I tried to be. I tried to be there for you. I said. I. I promised I would bring snacks. Yeah. Yeah. You did. You and did. I, I brought him. I brought nothing to the to today's anything. You brought nothing. I brought. Um, yeah, a request for you to talk to me again later on via the computer. Mm-hmm. We didn't take an Instagram picture together. No, we didn't do that either. We didn't really create any solid memories i don't think no and here we are talking uh several hours into the night we're trying to talk we're we're trying to create memories now well here's how that happens hey Mm -hmm. anthony Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about how you started on youtube well actually i i feel like we should say you do these really insightful really articulate uh well thought out music reviews you review new stuff. You review classic stuff. You have a a, a passion for vinyl records, and uh, I kind of only found you within the past year. As uh, I had a friend who kind of ignited, reignited my my passion for vinyl records, and then you know as soon as you get the bug for something, you're online looking up every facet of it. So that's where you fell into this, and uh, your first couple music reviews. That I saw, I think one of the first ones was the Tune Yards um, review, and from your review, just from your kind of blind suggestion, the way you talked about stuff, I looked them up. They happened to be playing in town. I went to go see them, and them and the band that opened for them are now two of my favorite bands. So that immediately gave you credibility, not only as a friend, but as an online music reviewer. Mm-hmm. So now that I think we're all caught up, go ahead and, uh, if you'd like, tell me a little bit about how you got started and stuff like that. We'll try to get the most boring questions out of the way first. Yeah, absolutely. Um, (laughs) Try to sound excited if you can. Try to sound excited. (sighs) Well, the YouTube channel started in 2009, (laughs) the January of 2009. And and, down, prior, and prior to that, for about a year and a half, it had also been a podcast and, and a website, which I continued to do as I started the YouTube channel. Um, I was kind of just hoping to do this sort of for a living and um, just getting doing a website and just doing a podcast wasn't really totally getting me there. And um, not that I expected YouTube would just throw a sack of money in my lap the moment I started uploading videos onto it, but I thought it would be just a way to do something different. And then maybe people would stumble across the website and sort of see my face and be like, hey, that's that site with the face on it, with the glasses. Great face. Yeah, that face. I remember that face the last time I went on that website. And um, 
uh, it, it ended up just kind of actually working in in reverse instead of using the videos to grab fans from the blogosphere who wouldn't have maybe paid attention to me or noticed me or remembered me otherwise it kind of worked in reverse i was like actually instead getting eyes on youtube and um i think like i hit a hundred subscribers and was like amazed that a hundred people cared about anything that i did yeah. and um uh i think from 2009 to I think the middle of 2010, I was just kind of doing this and maybe maybe toward the tail end of, of 2010, I was like sort of making videos on a very regular basis, like several a week. And I had already been partnered at that point. And um, it's just kind of been like just the, the slow, regular consistency of, of that that's kind of brought the channel to you know, nearly 400,000 subscribers, you know, which I'm, is the next sort of benchmark that I'm looking forward to crossing. Right. What happens when you hit that number? Do you throw a little party for yourself? A little, is it like a, a little, a very, a very tiny party. Cupcake. Vegan a cupcake. little cupcake. Yeah. yeah. Which is fine. Yeah. Which is fine. It's a suitable celebration. It is. Did you, uh, I noticed that a lot of music reviewers, I feel like most that I know about, it's kind of a text-based thing. It's kind of like a blog, you know, and, and rarely is it um, a, a video type situation. Do you have a preference now that you've kind of done, you've done a podcast or so you've done audio and you've done the text-based thing and now you're doing videos. Do you have like a favorite? Personally, my favorite is radio. You know, okay. which, which is like where the sort of my, my sentimental heart sort of sits. I mean, before. Sure. Which the, is different than your human heart, which yes, pumps human blood. Exactly. Or, or my logical heart or my sensible heart or so my, I, or my, I need to pay bills at the end of the month heart. Right. Um, One of your many talents is that yeah. you have so many hearts. Yes, exactly. A lot of people I, don't know that. We delve I, deep. I do it to ensure that I don't pass of heart disease. You know, just I, I figure have 10 of them. You can't go wrong. One of them goes nine left, nine left. Um, so before the needle drop was even a thing, I was hosting or I was interning and doing some announcing at a local public radio station. And um, because they had just gone from an all classical to an all talk station, that sort of inspired me to make my own show because at the time I missed doing my own music show, which I did at my college station before that. And um, that's kind of how the needle drop was born. And I've always just had like a soft spot for radio ever since I was like in high school and thought that talking on the radio was cool and funny and playing songs and so on and so forth. Sure. And the more I got acquainted with the industry, the more it became apparent that that's not in fact what was going to be happening if I got a job in radio. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I kind of created that for myself with this show at this particular NPR affiliated station in Hartford. Uh, but like it, I, I wasn't being paid to do it. You know, it was just something more like from my heart, you know, which right. one of them, one of my hearts, just doing um, college radio as an adult, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. And, um, you know, I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't bringing me anywhere, even though it was being played on like upwards of 10 different stations, you know, like it was being, um, syndicated on a handful of stations. And, uh, you know, I was just having a hard time connecting with an audience and it slowly kind of just dawned on me that the younger kids that are listening to this music, they're not like spending Friday night listening to public radio, you right, know, right. they're like me. Not the on cool YouTube. ones. No, not the cool ones. That's for um, sure. They're like me. They're on YouTube, you know? So I figured, I don't know, just it's time. You got to experiment. You got to do something, you know, right. you got to move out of the house. You got to do something <laughs> on your own. You got to grow up, put on your big boy pants. Right. Well, once those pants, pants are on, I mean, there's no stopping you. That's for sure. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And now they're on. Yeah, and sometimes you got to try on several different types of pants. Yeah. Okay. I, you know, you don't know that you don't like yoga pants, for example, until they're on and they're too snug. Mm -hmm. and, and everybody's uh, laughing at your package. Right. Or right. Or, really or, uncomfortable with it. Right. As my parents would say, laughing with your package. As yes. To not 
you know, make make us feel as bad as maybe reality they're, makes they're, us feel sometimes. They're just being polite. <laughs> so what's been, uh, I would imagine, since you're big into the interaction portion of it, that um, y- you've enjoyed that interactive part of YouTube a lot more than the radio part. Like seeing people we were talking about today, you know, almost before the video's over, you know, you have a comment from somebody who feels strongly about something because your opinions are usually so strong. Have you enjoyed the back and forth? Yeah, you know, ab- absolutely. Um, you know, like though I do have a soft spot for radio, um, if there is one thing that, that makes the whole YouTube side of it worth it, it's that you can interact with the people who are watching what you're doing just because it's on the internet. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, when, when I came up sort of loving underground music and learning about punk music and, and various sorts of, you know, alternative forms of rock and electronic music and, um, and hip hop, you know, I, I sort of came to understand and learn about those styles of music through just conversing with friends. You know, I wasn't like uh, reading any literature or anything or even really following music magazines or, um, uh, or reviews, not to say that they weren't important. Um, uh, and not to say that, you know, sort of maybe in an indirect way, they weren't having an impact on my music taste. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I was having, I, I was being introduced to bands that I loved through just conversation and recommendations from and AIM either, chat rooms. Yeah. For, well, I mean, from either my best friend, and, my best friends in high school, or when I moved on from high school to college, working at the college radio station, just being the music director over there, which I was before I was the general manager for two years, um, being introduced to all the CDs that were coming in every day and all the different genres. And, you know, just being at the radio station and listening to other people's music shows and just being like, hey, that that thing was like really cool that you played. What, what was that thing? You know, and then just kind of getting a rundown from people who did either experimental music shows or indie pop shows or metal shows and, and hip hop shows and just kind of, a you know, getting to know about, uh, of certain artists and eras and movements and sounds just through like their taste and their recommendations. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've sort of taken all of that uh, into account when I do my reviews, you know, I try to make it sort of be like a, you know, your buddy just talking to you about, you know, every, everything that I say about an album in a video is the same thing I would say about a record. You know, if we were talking face to face, as it should be, I think. Yeah, I think sometimes the reviewer gets a little too, tries to get a little too poetic, and you don't come off like that. You just come off as somebody who like uh, intensely enjoys talking about music. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the poetic thing that that definitely is the stereotype. Yeah. You know, um, poetic and angry. Those poetic, are the two. Poetic and angry. <laughs> yeah, I, actually, and, you know what? To be fair. When my records first started getting reviewed, when I first started putting them out, um, as luck would have it, uh, and this is back in, oh my God, I don't even know what year this would be, but I had a record called uh, Fairview that me and a friend of mine did and we're really proud of just for us, you know? And so we submitted it to get reviewed and I remember the review of my favorite song on the record, which you could find on iTunes, it's called Third Wheel. The reviewer said... It kind of sounds like another song is starting before this one has ended. And I remember that not being that poetic, but then I listened to it again and I was like, yeah, no, I can see how you, <laughs> you might have thought that <laughs> for sure. Um, that, that, one that, of the things I would have ahead. to hear it, I would have to hear it myself because that sounds like an amazing technical feat. It does uh, if you're trying to do it on purpose. <laughs> it does if you're trying to do it on purpose, yeah. but by accident. <laughs> <laughs> when you're just trying to make a good song, it takes the wind out of your sails right quick. Like that actually sounds like something like the singer of a band would bust through the door and be like, guys, I've got the greatest idea. Okay. Let's, keep it rolling. Let's have another song starting before this song is ending. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could have been pioneers at the time. Mm-hmm. That's that would be a great way to look at it. If I was just if you had just denial. embraced that, if you had just embraced it, yeah, and be like, yeah, man, we're the band that plays songs that sound like other songs are starting before the songs that we started are ending. That's us, just two CD players in a room at the same time. <laughs> That's our signature tone. 
Mm-hmm. We call it the crossfade without the fade. It's just cross cross sound. It's just cross. <laughs> um, so one of the things that's cool about like how you have discovered music and how your I did job's disco- in music, I did discover music. Let's let's have that on the record. I I meant to thank you for that earlier today, and I didn't. Right after the potato chip incident, I was going to be Colum- like Christopher Columbus style. Yeah, <laughs> music was already here, and you pointed at it, and, then and I now you get all it. the credit. And for then it. I I genocided everyone who 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 was doing it before, and right. I was just like, oh, look at this thing I found. And now you have a holiday. And now I have a ho- now I have a holiday. Yes, called Music Day. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is what you had in school when everyone had like a, you know, they have that uh, general bag of like musical instruments that no one could really play anyway, like the uh, the triangle and the wooden flute and the recorder I, I and you just reach into the bag music day i didn't i didn't i didn't go to that school <laughs> yeah we had our unsanitized bag of instruments that yes. we had you, you, you had like a, a a town crier like walking around with a sack going music day music day and then Bring kids are reaching in and, and pulling out accordions yeah and, and just uh, throwing and, it at kids trumpets and, and we saxophones had to play it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i get it that's actually so, a wonderful day it is. It was. For, for deaf people. Right. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, I feel like a, a question that we always get, just because people know that like I'm a musician and I, I love music, is like, you know, people, their discovery gets stale after a while, I think. And they're always like, well, how do you find out about new music? Like, that's that's a question mm-hmm. that I think a lot of people get all the time. And it seems like you were kind of always in a position where you always had new music coming at you constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, um, what would I mean, you suggest? Co- I'm college, sure you get that in question. In college, constantly. certainly. Yeah, in college, certainly. I, I, think, I think what happens is that um, I, I think people's are around the age that we are at – um, 50, their, dis- their, their discovery starts to get a little stale because, um, uh, sort of those years where music stereotypically defines your life, mm. um, are over, you know? And yeah, if you're, st- if you're still into it, it's because you're, you're really into it. You know, it's not because you need a song to define a certain uh, moment that you're going through, but because you just really like songs, yeah, you know. Um, and uh, I mean, while we you know all what's... while we all love music, you know, um, I think uh, I think to find people, you know, who are who are sort of in that mindset, or or at least are in that mindset all the time, um, can be a little difficult, mm-hmm. you know. Because that means you kind of got to put music and music discovery above other things in your life. Yeah. Like you were saying, like, drinking, you know? So it's like, (laughs) at one point, maybe when you're 14, 15 years old, you have music to get you through a breakup or a friendship that isn't there anymore. And then you're Mm -hmm. 21, 22, and you discover that alcohol sometimes makes feelings go away. So maybe your music discovery kind of falls off. hey, man. Fuck this music. Have you seen this crack stuff? <laughs> Have you heard about crack? <laughs> to think I wasted years of my life listening to the radio and bullshit like that when crack was a thing this whole time since the yep. 80s. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Awesome, man. Uh, any, were you going to say something else? Were you going to add something? No. I mean, you know, I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, you know, like you said, it's, it's, it's got to it's got to be a priority. It's got to kind of turn into your hobby, takes you know, effort. and, um, and, and there are, uh, I, I think it just kind of takes a certain person to want to be in that position. You know, I mean the it's while it's, it's perceived as much less nerdy. It's kind of the same thing as like along the lines of stamp collecting, yeah. you know, like, exactly. Oh, I've always said I just, that. I just collected this new sound, this new, you know, album in my head that I've heard, or I've just collected this new record or something like that. You know, music nerds who kind of push back, push beyond those teen years and are still interested in music, but not just music in general, but, but new music too. You know, it's not like they're just listening to the same things over and over and over all the time. They're, you know, open to the idea of new stuff coming down the pipe that, um, will completely blow them away. Um, they don't mind that younger people may be listening to whatever record they love as well, because for them, music isn't an age thing. It's just an art thing, you know? 
<clears throat> yeah, I had a um, I was hanging out with a, a friend of mine, Colin, last night, and he is. I, I love Colin dear me, dearly. Dear me? Nope, dearly. But he doesn't strike me as... Actually, you know what? I'm going to back up for a second. So I misspeak constantly, and I catch myself out, and I catch you know Zoya out all the time for misspeaking. And we had a comment on our Facebook the other day from a kid who I'd never talked to before. It said something like, he must have listened to like the first five minutes of an episode where we both misspoke 75 times. Mm-hmm. And he was like... You getting high with your friends and talking about stuff and calling it a podcast? No thanks. Good luck. <laughs> I just remembered that. And I just want to say, you know, thank you yeah. to that kid. To that and kid. I, to, to setting me straight and putting me, putting me on the straight and narrow mm-hmm. that I really just got to stop doing drugs, you know, constantly, mm-hmm. day in and day out, and podcasting and calling it entertainment. And just clean it up. You got to clean it up. I, I know. Today's today's the first day in the first day of the rest of my life. Well, that's, <laughs> that's good. You probably just had about. I mean, right now you have maybe the most squeaky clean guest that you could that you could possibly ever have on this podcast. Good. Finally. I haven't Finally. done anything. If it wasn't for music, I'd just be a Mormon. Right. Exactly. Which is fine in itself. Which is. Um, no, but I was saying, I was hanging out with my friend Colin. My friend Colin has never struck me as a really adventurous person. You know, he just, he's just the, the hilarious friend that I've had since I was a tiny baby. And yesterday he was like, yo, forgive me if I'm talking your ear off about music or whatever. It's just that like, I've been, I've been turned on to so much good shit recently that I've been taking suggestions from everybody. And, you know, I sent him, uh, Kind of via you, I sent him Tune Yards, and I sent him uh, the Sylvan Esso, which I know that you have mixed feelings on. But um, just the fact that he was like, you know, in the middle of a conversation, if a band was to come to me, I would text it to him, and he would be so receptive to that um, as like a 30-year-old dude. And that's that's really cool, and I think more people should do that. And I think you get to a certain age sometimes where you just think that you know so much, and then you know in a couple of years you look back and you realize that you didn't know anything. But I think people stop growing because of that, and it's so awesome and important to have an open mind and to want those kind of things and to like embrace the unknown in a very safe way because it's music, you know. I think if um. I think if you really care about music these days, uh, it's going to be easier and easier to just stay in tune and stay in touch with it and and maybe possibly never hit an age where you just kind of like just stop caring about it anymore right. um, because it's just so easy to, to keep in touch with it on the internet. You know, um, a lot of people who came of age in the 70s were sort of faced with the annoyance of their favorite music essentially being phased out once the 80s came rolling in you know what i mean and uh you know disco dead and and all that kind of stuff and um you know and people who came of age in the 90s kind of saw the same problems uh i mean uh, when the 2000s rolled in you know and kind of seeing the music that they grew up with and they and they hold really dear kind of being phased out of popularity um and now that we have the internet you can just kind of you know, bubble and uh, enclose yourself in this area where you only expose yourself to artists who have a certain sound or, you know, you can just kind of easily uh, keep in touch with uh, the bands and the labels and uh, the websites that are talking about the music that's most interesting to you. And if for whatever reason they stop interesting you, something else that might interest you is only a few clicks away beyond that. So, you know, I, I think you would really just like have to actively be avoiding and not even trying and maybe even just like hating music to just completely fall out of favor with it from now on because no matter what your music taste is there's got to be something out there for you now you know there are bands who are still like rocking like the new king like king crimson's first album just dropped like you know in the court of the crimson king this totally brand new idea you know and they're just like let's do this you know um i mean no matter what your flavor or what your style is you know there's something out there for you right now there's still people doing drum and bass man 
there's still people doing drum and bass. And thank goodness for that. And thank goodness for that. And, um, you know, we need the next sandstorm is what I've been saying since 2002. So, I mean, you know, while it not all may be relevant to everyone and while it may not all be cutting edge or pushing the envelope, it's got to be entertaining somebody. I know know one of the things that I've had throughout the years that kind of like in a really shitty way discourages me. And I say shitty, like putting it on myself, not putting it on the thing that it is, but is kind of like the problem, like the gray matter problem with the internet is that there's just so much of everything that discovery, unless you're kind of directed, unless you kind of have a strong lead on something, there's just so much that's just like, you know, it's so easy to record and it's so easy to make things sound different that people write stuff and, and release it before it's, good or great or ready you know and and that's all that's all subjective too uh to say that something's good or ready to be released but yeah you know what i'm saying no i know um do you do you run into that at all or are you just kind of like oh no absolutely i mean you know oversaturation is kind of oversaturation is is part of the reason uh music websites are still uh, relevant, you know, music websites and reviews, if for whatever reason right now, listening, we're still free because right now listening is free. You listen to anything for free. You can pirate it. You can stream it off YouTube. You can go on Spotify. You can go on Pandora. Listening is free. America. If for whatever reason, listening, were still free, but we had the same music output that they had in the sixties. Like there would be no reason for music media, you know? Mm Like, unless maybe to read another point of view, but we're talking about there being so few records coming out that it would be easy just to, you know, peruse them and just kind of see what is or is of interest to you and just be done with it. But now the thing is, is that listening is free, but there are like tens of thousands of albums that you could listen to. You know, which one do you listen to? What's interesting? What do each of these albums sound like? These are the kinds of questions that music websites and music reviews should be addressing, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's because of that saturation um, that I think, you know, having conversations about whether or not the new Flying Lotus album is worth your time are kind of necessary, you know, or why we should be paying attention to tune yards versus, I don't know, anyone the, else in the world, any, anyone else, you know, the, the week of the release of the new tune yards record, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's basically what I'm trying to do. You know, if you're not curating, you're not really doing anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, you're part of the solution is what you are. Anthony, the body slam Tano. Well, I, I think I think into the future, curating is going to be maybe more important than whether or not you like the new Kanye record that's going to come out soon. Right. You know, um, it's really going to be, I think, more of a game of who you think is worth talking about versus what you're saying about them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because there are some people who. Um, even though their albums may be wildly popular and there, there may be a group of people out there that they are relevant to, um, it might be an album that I feel like avoiding or just not even really discussing because I personally don't have anything to say about it. And I would much rather talk about something that I do feel um, personally is having an impact or, uh, or is just you know a little bit more intriguing, um, whether my thoughts on it are, are negative or positive. Aside from going to your YouTube channel and your website and all that stuff, can you uh, maybe help the people listening to this right now um, find music in places that you find music, like other blogs or stuff that you would um, suggest as kind of just like nice things to visit on a, on a daily basis or weekly basis? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I... First off, you can head to the needledrop.com. There it is. <laughs> where, you know, there's there, that plug. There's the plug. There's the plug. Um, you know, where I have um I keep a fully updated list of albums that are new and are recent that I loved. Um, so you know, you can see all my favorites of the year thus far. Um, there's another great YouTube channel where they do a ton of hip hop reviews, and their name is Dead End Hip Hop. Um 
They're fantastic. Um, I would say uh, also check out Consequence of Sound, um, Everybody Taste, Gimme Tinnitus, Invisible Oranges. They're a great um, metal blog, Invisible Oranges being what it would look like when you're holding, when you're doing like a really fucking metal pose, like your sure. hands would be in, holding invisible oranges. Now I get it. Um, metal sucks is great. Pretty much amazing is, is, is very nice. Potholes in my blog. They're a very good hip hop blog. Absolute um, punk. Absolute punk is cool. <laughs> still? Is that still a thing? Yeah, they, they are still a thing though. They that are not- was huge. Like, when we were teenagers when in the in the 2000s and in the late 90s absolute punk was pretty nice yeah and and you could buy some nice record no that's I'm, th- I'm thinking of another website where i bought a bunch of punk records all the time um oh you're thinking of interpunk punk records that one. yeah interpunk yes <laughs> they were great um, um what would you line- say to uh to answer in a few questions wait hold on one second um oh sorry tiny tiny mixtapes is awesome we listen for you is cool, and um, the quietest is cool. All I've right. been on Tiny Mixtapes yeah. for sure. Tiny Mixtapes is wonderful. They're one of my favorite yeah. music websites. Dope, man. Well, I'm first of all incredibly sorry for interrupting you before the list was over. No, sorry. And I think it's, that it's, goes it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> uh, we have a few Twitter questions. Yeah, want to hit some of those? Wow, up? Twi- Twitter questions. Let's do it. So Twitter is a website where people could just kind of say whatever, and then they direct questions at us. Sometimes we go ahead and answer them, and then they figure out the answer. Instead of us typing back instantly, we talk about it, and then they get the answer a couple days later. It sounds great. I'll have to start an account. Yeah. You need a modem. Do you have a modem? Um, I have a router. Is that <laughs> yeah. the same thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You could probably—I mean—you can make stuff from uh, stuff you find around the house. Okay. Um, sort of. Sam says advice for recording a first album at home. We kind of talked a little bit about this today with your uh, Sun, Moon, and Stars album. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, advice for recording a first album at home. I would say try to get maybe a, a, a variety. Uh, I, I would say first go to, what is it called? I think monoprice.org. Monoprice? Um, monoprice. I'm going to double check that. Okay. Um, monoprice.org. If I got that right. Nope. Monoprice. <laughs> is that what the hell it is? Monoprice.com. Um, if I got that correct. Is that for equipment and stuff like best that? Best quality. I think this is right. Um, amazing website where you can get high quality cables, super cheap, tons of XLR cables. And I'm talking mm-hmm. like, you know, lots and lots of feet on these XLR cables for super cheap. Um, you know, you got to get, you got to get the basics, you know, get that, get some mic stands, get some sure SM 58s, yeah. get some like, you know, uh, dynamic microphones, uh, uh, that, you know, you can, you can set the, uh, um, I guess sort of the, uh, the, the range on them that are sort of in that, you know, um, 200 to 300 dollar level um you know try to i guess uh it depends on the kind of music you want to make do you want to play with a drum set do you want to play with a drum machine um you know if if you've got to invest in just kind of getting the bare basics so it all sounds good um then when you're kind of there you've got to figure out how you're going to record it you know are you going to get an eight track are you going to uh lay it all to tape are you going to do it digital are you going to just like multi-track uh every single instrument individually um once you do that how are you going to eq it you know like are you you've got to be able to eq each you know, drum sound individually. Maybe you want to, you know, just kind of like do it raw through the mixer, you know, and just try to get the best sound that you can on the fly. Or you, if you, you know, um, have a hedge fund that you can dig into, uh, you might want to, uh, you know, spend some money on uh, some Pro Tools or something like that. Right. I'm um, not going to lie. I feel like you just talked so many people out of home recording with all no, the stuff no, that listen, you need. Here's the thing. Like, it's, it's not... It's not a, it's not an expensive thing. It's not an arduous thing. It can be expensive. It depends on how far you want to go into it. But you know, um, 
I, I recommend just, you know, getting some cheap and quick microphones and some mic stands and some cables and just like a really cheap small mixer, hook it up to your laptop, get an audio editing program that you can do some multi-tracking in, you know, um, so that you can have, you know, one audio file playing at the same time as another one, something that'll allow you to mix them and EQ them a little bit and just like practice, you know, and, and, and remember like, your recordings, unless you're uh, self-hating, are probably going to sound better to you than they will to most people um, because the idea that you have in your head, especially if this is your first time recording, most likely will not really be there in yeah. the audio. You know? Yeah, realistically, yeah. So, so when you listen to it, you probably hear the idea in your head fully, you know, and you're being amazed more by the idea than what the actuality is yeah. on the MP3. You know, I would I would vouch for that as saying that I was, you know, a hundred percent that that person for sure, especially doing my own stuff. Like we were talking about today when I first got on YouTube and I was doing a bunch of covers, like I knew what I wanted it to sound like but I've always been since the beginning and even now very limited in recording myself and I listen to them back you know years afterwards and I'm like well that really doesn't sound like much of anything it's a very you know empty sound but at the time I was like jiving just you know? just amazed to have it together you know have it have yeah. it have it physically in front of you in some kind of way you 100%. know um so, you know, remember, uh, your recordings are, are probably going to sound not as good to other people as to you because they don't have your idea in their head. Right. What your ultimate goal is to create that idea fully realized in the audio, you know, and you've got to be like super critical about what you're doing in that, in that space, in that recording space, really thinking about, um, whether or not what you have in your head is being adequately represented in the waveform in front of you. You've got to think about what that idea in your head is going to be. You know, um, the writing process for a lot of uh, artists is is very much unplanned and and for good reason too. You know, it's like you're you're writing, you're creating, you know, you're um, I guess sort of uh, uh, hoping maybe something spontaneously will, you know, sort of come up in your head as a song idea. You know, you shouldn't have that same kind of lack of planning when going into recording. Right. You know? it, has to be, um, it has to be a little bit more solid by that point, even though it's still a space where you could add and create. Yeah. You got to have no, that solid most foundation. Most definitely. Like, you we know, should move on to, uh, to some of these other ones. We, we have yeah. a few, and I don't want the show to be super duper long. We have mm -hmm. one from Josh Fletcher who says... Guys, what even is music? Like, you know? And for that question, I'm putting him in the podcast penalty box, which is a thing that I just made up just now, and you can't ask a question for the next four weeks or so, Josh. <laughs> Do you have any response to that? Yeah, Anthony I think I think music is any semblance of organized sound. Okay. You know, pre preferably made by people. I guess by that definition, you could say birds are making music, but you know, I got nothing against birds. Sure. So let, let them have it. Right. Which is weird. Cause I actually hate the band, the birds. And I would uh -huh. rather listen to just birds in general. <laughs> the birds B Y R D S. Yeah. Those. You hate that band? No, I don't. I just really wanted to make a joke and I saw oh, okay. an opening and I took it. I dove for it. That, <laughs> that, that was, it. that was not a joke. That was throwing shade. You were throwing <laughs> shades. You were throwing shots. <laughs> well, I take it back. You're, you're kicking them all they're down because they're very broken up at this point. <laughs> For years. Um, we have one from Jordan that says, does your music mood change with the seasons? What is your favorite fall time style of music or song? Autumnal equinox songs is what we're talking about right now. I think for example, um, um, I always thought that I'm a big Sublime fan, and I have been since sixth grade. I mm -hmm. cannot listen to Sublime outside of the summer months. Really? Yes. Well, now that I live in LA and it's just the same temperature always, I can listen to them <laughs> all the time. But when I was in the Northeast, when I lived in Connecticut, I couldn't listen to them outside the summer. It felt weird. Like I would turn it off and be like, "No, not not now, not now." I guess the only CD that only plays during a certain time of the year around my place is my um punk rock christmas compilation yeah year which, round 
which Every is which morning. is <laughs> which is a pretty awful compilation, but it's 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 amazing as well. There's it's, a there, there's a cover of the um the uh the Grinch's theme song on there. Um yeah. but it um it's not even really a musical cover of the song because it's kind of the dude from the punk band singing the lyrics over the riff to Black Sabbath self-titled song. They're just like right. playing that riff, bow, now, bow, <laughs> and he's just like saying the lyrics to the Grinch song. You're like, over a mean it. one, yeah, Mr. Grinch. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, so if you yeah. were to give me one quintessential Anthony Fantano fall album or song. Leaves are falling and changing yeah. color. Your breath no, you. smells vaguely of apple cider donuts. <laughs> you know, in, in the fall, I just really, th- there are certain genres that I like more in fall, like folk music and mm-hmm. just acoustic music in general. To yeah. me, acoustic music, like, um, e- even if it's like super highly produced and like, you know, reverby, like Fleet Foxes or like, grizzly bear or something like that i i think i'm more receptive to it in the fall i'm definitely in the mood for it in the fall i like some like banger loud crazy hip-hop music like in the summer Uh you know um you know just rock music is certainly great in the winter and and spring months but i also think you know uh some really chill electronic music works during the winter as well um however during the fall i i would say listen to like I don't know, just because I'm so into it right now. But the the Sun Kill Moon discography, yeah. just get into the Sun Kill Moon discography during the fall months, or even some <laughs> Elliot Smith, or some you know acoustic era Bob Dylan. There you or, go, music music to live the seasons by, or by even Anthony like some Dan. Simon some Simon and Garfunkel, yeah, or, which is also always kind of nice. But yeah. I I could see that as or being some tallest man on earth, the tallest man on earth. He's wonderful. Nice. Good suggestions all around. Uh, that was from Jordan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my good friend Adam Robertson, very hilarious comedian, go check him out on the YouTube, says, why records got all those lines on them? Mm-hmm. No question mark. Is that a, a that, that sounds like a penalty box to me. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's in there for sure. I think he's asking this from the penalty box. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, I, so I see the penalty box is completely useless. Well, it's completely full, if nothing oh, okay. else. I see. Uh, do you want to take a stab at that one? Do you, do you have a short, succinct answer? Why records got all them lines on them? For technical reasons. <laughs> okay, I like that. <laughs> Catherine says, what are your favorite musical memories? Concerts, meeting your favorite musician, etc." You can just my, pick one of those if you'd like for the sake of time. <laughs> I think one of my favorite musical memories is just getting my first, my first boombox. Yeah. Pl- jamming some tapes. You're pulling, pulling your shoulder muscles. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was not doing any break dancing, unfortunately. Well, unfortunately, I around, just pictured ar- that for a second around and... my little Sony boombox. <laughs> I was just, you know, just getting my first boombox, jamming some, jamming some Rage Against the Machine and some TLC, dude. Yeah, simultaneously. Before one song ends, another one begins. Mm-hmm. Is yes. the theme for the day. It's come right back around. Um, Stephen Hanning who is a lovely supporter of the show, uh, says, is it unhealthy for your musical diet if you don't listen to any new music for an extended period? So like if you have a long drought, kind of like we were talking about before, you have a long drought yeah. and you know your discovery gets a little stale. I mean, I don't know if it hurts. It, did, did he say, is it bad for your musical diet? He said unhealthy for your musical diet. Unhealthy for your musical diet. I, I th- personally... I think it's unhealthy for your psyche not to listen to new music. And and I don't mean just new music like, oh hey man, you got to listen to this brand new band, they're cutting edge. I mean, it can if if it's new, it it can be new to you yeah. for sure, you know? Like you should at least a few times a month be trying to listen to something that is new to you, even if it's old in terms of the year, but you know, maybe something, either a new band or a new song or a new genre or a new idea. I think that, you know, just in general, trying to expose yourself to new artistic ideas, whether they be auditory or visual or whatever, um, 
you know, helps just kind of keep your, your just, your just general feelings toward new things, you know, positive, you know, keeping that open mind concept open. Because I think if we don't, you know, push ourselves out of that comfort zone, at least every once in a while, um, you know, we're liable to just without realizing it kind of closing up and shriveling up and becoming depressing, um, you know, snobbish, like, oh, bleh, I music know real music. Used to be. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And, and that's, and that's something that like, um, you know, people ask me like, what my music background was like with my parents and like assume that like my mom was like passing me velvet underground records or something, you know, <laughs> or was like, you know, playing me like pink Floyd while I was in the womb or whatever. And, um, you know, that, that, that was very much not the case at all. You know, like my dad <laughs> is not like a big music person and my mom wasn't like a music nerd or anything like that. Didn't play any instruments or anything like that. Um, but, one thing I took away from them, especially my mother, is that they were, you know, super open to everything, you know, like my mom liked a lot of the tapes that I had and we liked a lot of the music the radio was playing and she never really, you know, sat me down and said, hey, this is music, this isn't music, this is bad music, you should be listening to this good music and, right. you know, that that was never an ideology my father tried to force on me either, so I was just kind of free to enjoy whatever I wanted to enjoy at my own pace and I never had any reason not to like anything, you know, for, for any reason other than just my own preference. So, you know, I think, I think open-mindedness is just super, super important and uh, new music can help you just kind of keep that part of your head strong. Did your, uh, this is just a question for me. I, I didn't tweet it, so I'm kind of breaking the rules, but Uh-oh. it's my show. So fuck it. I hope um, you don't end up in the penalty box, dude. Yeah, You're taking I'm a big risk box. here. I just climbed up on top of the penalty box real quick. Um, did your parents, I know my parents were huge, uh, in helping me with music discovery, but again, like never, ever, ever pushed anything. Um, you know, my parents are the reason why I love records. The first record I ever bought was an actual vinyl record. And Mm -hmm. I always, I, I thank them. My mom would take me once a week to go get a CD of my choice. And they always just had stuff like, you know, my parents are the reason why, I know who Earth, Wind, and Fire are. I know who James Taylor are. Um, is he's mm-hmm. he's just a person. Yeah, he's um, just one person. Right. Well, now, now, you know, uh, he's he's downsized for sure. Um, but were your parents kind of integral in the in the um, music discovery process? Not really. You know, I mean, um, but like I said, that my mother was especially integral in that. Um, you know, she she allowed me to pick out tapes that I wanted to listen to, you know, and, and and stuff like that. But it's not like they were ever trying to educate me about who they used to listen to when they um, grew up. You know, I, I, I didn't around. I didn't own a Beatles. I, I hadn't heard a Beatles album all the way through until high school, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh you know, and my, my mother and father came of age mostly through the seventies, you know, so they have, you know, fond memories of, uh, that whole era. Um, and, uh, you know, while, while certainly they, they were happy to tell me about music that they grew up with and, you know, if a song came on or something like that, you know, they would share it and, you know, just sort of tell me, but, um, you know, they, they were happy to, um, uh, tell me uh, or, you know, just sort of let me listen to whatever I felt like listening to. You know, my mother would tell me when she was younger, her mom hated her music and, you know, and tell her, oh, turn that crap off and, you know, I don't want to hear it and da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, uh, uh, my mother, you know, certainly didn't want me to feel like I couldn't enjoy the things that I thought were really cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just by allowing me to just listen to whatever I wanted at my own pace was was great enough, you know, and then later in high school when I was like, oh, hey, you know, like, what's up with the Beatles? You know, like my mom would be (laughs) like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, what's up with these Beatles people? You know, my mom and my stepdad at the time, too, you know, were only happy to like, you know, tell me what's up and just like burn me some CDs. You know, uh, my stepdad also turned me on to like Frank Zappa, who at the time I wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like getting it, you know, but later down the road, you know, when I heard some more records out of his discography, I thought it was super awesome, you know, um, 
uh, once in high school, a very good friend of mine, um, his dad actually was kind of like that stereotypical dad who was like, oh, you don't know real music. This is real music. And, come to the um, garage. I'll show uh, you some real music. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, he would like, you know, we would come over and he'd try to like pull out these Zappa records and these war records. You know, he'd like pull out Why Can't We Be Friends? <laughs> um, you know, and he'd like pull out all these like great rock records from the 70s. And uh, uh, what was actually really funny is that... Um, I didn't really grow up with a parent who had that mentality. So when I saw him acting that way, I wasn't like being annoyed by it or anything. Or I wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, dads, you know, or anything like that. I was actually like semi interested in what he was like trying to show us. The first time you're always interested. The first time. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, and, and he was playing some stuff and I thought it was like pretty cool, you know, but the thing is like, I didn't, I didn't know anything about those artists. So, and I was hanging out with a lot of friends who were into like, you know, metal at the time. So I pretty much just continued to toe that line. But, um, but later, you know, I kind of came back around and found out more about those bands and found out about how great they were. And, you know, and when I, um, was getting into artists like Johnny Cash, my dad was like, Oh yeah, Johnny Cash, you know, he's awesome. So on and so forth. So, um, you know, they certainly helped when I was older and sort of mature enough to be asking about those artists, you know, and, um, we're, we're only happy enough to just kind of point me in the, uh, the right direction. Awesome. Let's do, uh, let's do one more and then I'll let you plug whatever you want to plug and then we'll, uh, we'll get out of here and we'll go to sleep and we'll have the comfort of knowing that we're both sleeping at the same time. Wonderful. Which is something that I really like to do with friends that aren't in close proximity. You know, I won't be sleeping after this. Okay, well, you just ruined the illusion for me. Well, we're, we're going to be like it. we're going to be like those songs earlier. You're going to be sleeping, and then yeah. I'm going to start sleeping in the middle of you sleeping, <laughs> and maybe just maybe you'll wake up before I finish sleeping. Right, so, and we'll piss off somebody who's a sleep reviewer. Yeah, <laughs> just waste his or her time for not um, synchronizing. Jeremy says, and this is another thing I get a lot that I'm not super well-versed in, so I would love your input on this. Jeremy says, thinking about buying a record player, should I? And I'm going to add to his what type of record player. And maybe to curve the conversation, I'm going to say most likely people who don't want to spend a ton of money are looking for kind of like a self-contained unit. Yeah. And I've talked about this before uh, with a negative experience that I had with a Crosley just because it was so readily available. Yeah. And I would love to hear your opinion on this stuff. Um, the, the long version, the very necessary and very long version of this answer is on a YouTube video called My Setup Slash Audio Equipment Talk. And in this video, it's sort of me and one of my best friends sitting side to side, just kind of talking audio equipment. He's way more well-versed in this stuff than I am. Um, And, uh, you know, inside the description box, we give a bunch of recommendations of certain brands, of turntables and cartridges and amplifiers and speakers and, um, you know, for for a range of different budgets, Mm -hmm. you know. So definitely if you are super interested in this, you know, do look that up. Um, but you know, me personally, I'm not into those all in one units. Um, just because, you know, you buy vinyl for its sound and those all in one units, the only purpose they serve in my opinion is just to kind of make it convenient so that you could play records anywhere. You know what I mean? But you don't need to play records anywhere because we have MP3s. Right. So, you know, unless you're very, very, very limited on space, you know, um, I maybe maybe it makes sense to get one, but only if you're like anti iPod or something. Because if you're limited on space, just get an iPod. Yeah. Um, you know, if if you if you want to get the full effect of the sound of that record, you're gonna need a record player and an amplifier and some speakers. You know, because that's the only way to get the full effect of the high fidelity of, of the record, okay. you know? And um, as far as some some turntable brands, I recommend a Stanton or a Technics. And there are Stantons that are 200 or $300. You know, there are Stantons that are a few grand and Technics as well. Um, you know, I recommend like a, a Sansui amplifier or a Harman amplifier. 
um, you know, or even just like a, a cheap Sony amplifier, you know, um, amplifiers, while there are a lot of bells and whistles and you can get tube amplifiers. And of course, you know, uh, uh, an expensive Harman amplifier is going to sound better than a cheap Sony amplifier. You know, you're starting, you're just at the bottom. So, you know, if you can just get something really affordable at like your local Sears or something like that, I would say go for it. Um, you know, you're going to need to go down to Radio Shack, buy some thick speaker wire, you know, which shouldn't run you too much, you know, maybe like 10 to $20, depending on how far away or how you're going to, you know, sort of position the speakers. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you're going to want to get a cartridge and a stylus for the turntable. Um, uh, which, Something you know, other than what it comes with. Um, some of these don't come with them, okay. you know, um, some turntables will come with styluses. If it's a P mount, which is a popular type of turntable that was uh, very prominent in the seventies and the eighties. But, um, if you're, you know, sort of getting like, a uh, one of those higher grade turntables that like a DJ would play off of or something like that, um, in that sort of technics and Stanton realm, then you're going to want to get a cartridge. Um, I recommend a sure cartridge, the same company that makes the microphones. Sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, they, they make fantastic cartridges. And um, speakers, I mean, speakers, while, you, you know, you shouldn't totally skimp on the price, speakers are plentiful. You know, speakers are everywhere. You know, you, the speakers are all over the place. Yeah, if, all around us. If you could find, um, you know, if, 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 if you have like 100 to $200, I bet you that you could go into your nearest flea market your nearest um, Goodwill or Salvation Army or your nearest pawn shop and walk out of there with two sets of great speakers, you know, mm -hmm. that'll at least serve the purpose, you know, um, to get, you know, two like bassier ones that'll sit on the floor and then stack them on top with like, you know, a set of smaller ones um, that'll, you know, carry the high end a little bit better. Um, so, you know, a uh, hundred, two hundred dollars should get you some good secondhand speakers, you yeah. know, that'll get the job done. Um, you know, I think if you could scratch together maybe about five to $600, you know, you could have like a decent setup going, right? you know, and it's an investment and it's something that it's, uh, I, when I start talking about like how expensive stuff is with people, it, it, rightfully discourages a lot of people, you know, because people don't want to hear the word investment when it is so easy to just download an MP3 and play it off your laptop and, and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I'll never forget, like, before I even moved to LA, I went to a friend's house. And it was kind of a friend of a friend at the time. And uh, we walked in, the TV wasn't on or whatever. He's like, do you want to hang out and listen to records? And I was like, I haven't even heard somebody ask me that in forever. And that's what we did for hours. And it was this experience that was different than like sitting around and playing video games, sitting around watching TV, sitting around somebody's computer and double clicking and saying like, I, you got to hear this song, watch this YouTube video, you know, something that's very easily accessible. And it was just this warm room filling sound that had us entertained without a visual aspect for hours into the night. Mm-hmm. So, and that and that's what you're buying with all this stuff. Yeah, you know, so the thing is if if you just buy records and then get one of those tiny all-in-one units, you know, you're just kind of cheating yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're 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 not playing records, you're playing records, you know, <laughs> sort of in the same way that you would play house, you right. know? Or um, play yourself. Or play if, yourself. If we're being honest. You know, and while that's not a bad place to start, I would only recommend uh, starting with one of those units if you're planning on taking it to the next level very soon, mm. you know? And, and like I said, um, I recommend you check out this video, Mike, if you could link it somewhere so people could very quickly yeah, find I'll it. I'll put it in the description. Um, again, my setup slash audio equipment talk. We talk about a lot of brands. We talk about, you know, everything that you're going to need styluses, turntables, amplifiers, speaker wire and speakers, yeah. you know? And, and like I said earlier, um, you know, uh, $500 to $600 will get you a decent setup, but there are people who, you know, um, 
get a good setup going with even less than that. There's a dude who, you know, I follow who um, just sort of collects records online. He posts a lot of them on Instagram. He bought two Stanton turntables that are well worth like $1,000 each for $50 together at a tag sale. Awesome. You know, like just when you're- Just people don't want them anymore. Yeah, because people don't want them anymore. You know, people die or they give it up or they move somewhere and they leave that stuff with somebody who doesn't know what its value is, right. you know, and they're just like, I, I got to get rid of this, you know? And the thing is, if you keep an eye out, if you keep an ear out, you know, and you're just kind of like, just, just keeping your ear to the ground with this stuff, you're, you're liable to run across something that is worth way more than what somebody's charging for it. So, you know, there is a very good chance that you could put together, you know, a workable or even an amazing setup for even lower than the price point that I've just quoted you. Just kind of look you know for what I mean? Yeah, just, you know, um, the the two speakers, you know, that are sort of carrying most of the bass in my setup, I bought these at a tag sale for $25 together, awesome. you know, but they're, they're worth way more than $25 together, um, but that's what I got them for, right. you know, and uh, I have uh, buddies of mine who, you know, various parts of their setup or maybe even just one single key component of their setup may have been free, you know, or something like that just because they got it secondhand from somewhere, right. you know, so audio equipment, you know, it's, it's very expensive stuff. It's, if it's, if it's in the hands of someone who knows what it's worth, right. you know what I mean? And, but there are a lot of people who don't know what it's worth and not that, you know, I'm saying, and Hey, people have tag sales or yeah. they die. Yes. Yes. You know, or, or they die. Everyone dies, you know, and, and that's not necessarily a mean joke or anything because we're all, we're all going to go there. We're all going to be uh, there eventually. Well, I, I hate to disagree with you in the last couple seconds of the show, but oh, because you're going to live. Not everyone dies. Okay, okay. you can't just blanket statement. You can't just say everyone's going to. That's right. No absolutes. That's true. Anthony, where could people find you on the internet? YouTube.com/slash the needle drop. Twitter.com/slash the needle drop. The needle drop.com. And that's it. Dope. And and at at my home. What's your friendster? And my friendster. (laughs) My 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 MySpace. Dude, thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for the lovely autumnal walk that we had today. No problem. All right, man. All right. Great. We did it. We did it. Forever. <laughs>